Hey, how's it going, everyone? This is Bashiri, host of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. I trust that this episode three, the third installation, finds you and yours um, safe and sound and ready to confront the issues that are pertinent to our experience as melaninated man, woman, and child. Of course, I come to you in love, peace, and confrontation. We kick it off with love as per usual. Black men, I love you. Black women, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Let's be the solution. Let's be the answer to the prayers that we're seeking. Let's fully embody and exemplify and incarnate the inexhaustible ingenuity that is resonant within the melodinated mind and the general black experience. We owe it to ourselves to do it. We owe it to our babies to do exactly that. For those of you who have a problem with or issue with the term black due to whatever historical antecedents that are associated with the same, it's all good, I got love for you too. Melaninated man, I love you. Melaninated woman, I love you. Melaninated babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? I really don't have a lot on my mind by way of premeditated content, and I won't belabor the moment or weary your patience. Um, hopefully, I can keep this at 20 minutes. Knock on wood. Um, I'm really going to attempt to streamline uh, as cogently as possible the flow of consciousness as it pertains to um, the topography of today's discussion. And so I really want to start off by stating that I can't overemphasize or overstate to you the importance of recognizing um, just how potent and powerful uh, it is to know the uh, the political currency of definitions of terms and conditions that not only inform uh, the way by which we describe our reality. Right. So it's not only a descriptive uh, referent or orientation to uh, definitions as such, but also there is a prescriptive implication. There's a prescriptive application and analysis of the saying. So it's not just me describing what I see when I define what I define, but it's also giving a directive and some modicum of instruction on how to engage and to behave with the very thing that I'm applying a label to. How does that apply to our melaninated community, our, our men, our women and children? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm so glad you asked. When we are labeled by an outside agency who is exploitative, by an outside agency who benefits from our injury, who benefits from the commandeering of our consciousness, who benefits from engineering in a social sense our sensibilities that pertain to uh, the self-concept um, how we perceive one another how we perceive our options 
what we think can be readily available, attained and or accomplished by way of the aggregation of our internal import, well, then we may have an issue. Because what if the people who are setting the, um, the parameters and who are determining the paradigm of said definitions have an ulterior motive to do so? And so we're not even being hypothetical. We're being literal. We know what has uh, happened by way of history, right? When we consider um, those persons who are in power now, who have determined and who have situated to um, dominate, right, the domain of discourse and what that has done in terms of our consciousness being uh enveloped and shaped and developed by the same and what those consequences have looked like by way of history we know that one of the most revolutionary things that we can do as a community is um, to find ourselves investigating in very uh, profound ways um, methods that we can right uh, become involved in that will lend themselves to the enterprise of self-definition. We got to be able to do that. We have to be self-determined. We have to be self-autonomous. We have to be self-reliant. Taking a quick page out of history, and I'm going to come in for a landing with respect to the time. When we're thinking about racism, and we've already defined racism as um, an economic enterprise by which uh, we procure vital life resources over and against the development of the capacity or the aggregation of the in internal revenue of a targeted population to compete or to develop the methodology to compete uh, for the same vital life resources as such within the framework of competition informed by scarcity and so when we think of racism divorce from its emotional referent we see it as an economic enterprise right and so we see that certain abuses right and certain ways in which we have been exploited historically almost always or should I say 100% has always served for the securing of the economic interests of the dominant community as such. And so I'm thinking about Reconstruction, of course, and I'm thinking about uh, what that meant in terms of our relationship with the uh, political poles of white supremacy. When we're looking at the Republicans who allegedly freed the slave, when we're looking at the Democrat Dixiecrats who seceded from the nation, who wanted to maintain the institution of slavery. Um, and then we fast forward to the Reconstruction period and we see that, okay, there's the Freedmen's Bureau. It was a failure, right? Um, and then eventually we see through the likes of Andrew Johnson, many of the social strides and gains um, that were attained during Reconstruction period were rescinded. So the withdrawal of federal troops from um, the South and um, the the landowners who succeeded from the nation now giving their land back you know that's the republicans giving the democrats the land back the democrats now having land but not having labor and so they get into uh exploiting again the newly freed with the um 
with the uh, we got the convict leasing program. We got the share crop, uh, cropping contracts, right? Um, uh, we got the vagrancy laws, and so uh, you hemmed in now, newly freed. It, it was it was freedom, but it was short lived. You know, um, because now you have to have some sort of white agency that speaks for you. Oh, show me your contract, your sharecropping contract. Okay, you're not into sharecropping? Well, then we're going to throw you into jail, and then we're going to convict lease you out. And then, uh, you know, statistically they say that your mortality rate under the convict uh, leasing program uh, is cut in half, 50% now. <laughs> you know, you're more likely to die. And so... That whole enterprise engineered by the criminalization of black bodies, by terms, by definitions. How are we now going to entreat these newly freed slaves, this, this black population who have all kinds of skill sets? We don't really want to compete with them, but we still want to exploit them. We still look at them as a commodity. Uh, to be exploited for our economic interests. We do not want them to be free. We do not want them, uh, again, to be able to exercise the agency of their own volitional capacity. But we want to we control them. And so they come up with Jim Crow. You know, they come up with, you know, lynching. They come up with the black codes and et cetera. And these are the Democrats, right? And the Republicans working in tandem. The, the Republicans who accredited with freeing the slaves, turn a blind eye, give that land back to the Democrats. The Democrats do what they do. 4,000 black bodies lynched during Jim Crow. Why? For economic purposes. They're using brutalization. They're using intimidation um, so that the newly freed don't go into business. The newly freed now have to, uh, again, forfeit um, their labor. They have to forfeit their interest to exploit in a positive sense the, their own efforts, right? And they allow themselves to have those same efforts commandeered and co-opted by white agency. And all of that is founded upon the domain of discourse and laws being either written in or laws that were not upheld, but all informed by how a particular group was defined. So there's a particular way that I entreat a criminal, right? It's even in their law books, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're a criminal, well, you know, you can be enslaved again. It's all good. So I hope that little foray into history kind of sheds some modicum of elucidation as it pertains to how powerful words are, how powerful definitions can be, and how detrimental um, they have been for us because we have not been as savvy to understand that a, a lot of the times here and out sojourn in America, the definitions have been to our detriment. That's why it's important that we engage in the enterprise of self-definition. That's why it's important that we continue to rehearse in our mind and in our, in our hearts our, again, like I start out with the love. I start out with the encouragement of, 
the affirmation of the inexhaustible ingenuity, you know what I mean? That's resonant in the melaninated mind. That's for a reason. That's shaping consciousness. That's informing our internal reality and hopefully instigating uh, new vistas in our consciousness of possibility uh, for our own exposition, exploration, and ultimately incarnation of greatness in real, concrete, tangible ways. Don't believe what they tell you, you know, you gotta, you gotta resist what they tell you and you have to go inside and affirm what you know is good, what you know is potent, what you know is ultimately going to be liberating. That's all I got for you. You know, it's not just about parsing out the problem. It's always about shining light on those people who are doing an incredible work in your community here locally in the Hampton Roads region, Hampton Roads Regional Black Chamber of Commerce. If you're industrious, endeavor to be industrious, entrepreneurial, endeavor to be entrepreneurial. You have to link yourself with the network and the nexus of like-minded individuals, Black Brand, blackbrand.com biz 150 year economic plan in the making i know that i'm coming in for a landing but i also wanted to fast forward what are the uh current day implications of that brief for foray into american history that i just took you through well we're looking at politicians today we're looking at a donald trump who is uh pretty explicit in his uh, anti-black rhetoric. Uh, we're looking at a Joe Biden who is very polite um, when he speaks to our community as such, but he's anti-black by history in terms of his policies. And it's important to understand the historical referent and the roots um, that each of these candidates come from, respectively. You know, um, it has been uh, the... Um, you know, the psychological uh, mantra, if you will, or psychopolitical mantra of the Democratic Party to exploit black interests, you know, and to co-opt um, our cultural mores uh, to the degree that we would be distracted by those symbolic cues of uh, solidarity. You know, I spoke about before, you know, um, Bill Clinton playing the sax and then, you know, even Bill Clinton when he had that scandal with Monica Lewinsky and then, you know, people in our community is like, oh, he's the first black president. You know, that's that's something a black man would do, <laughs> you know, with how he engaged with Lewinsky and then even his wife, you know, just really condescendingly um hot sauce in a purse and you know joe biden saying you know you're not black if you don't vote for me and you know all of these things uh kamala harris and the timberlands uh, running down the tarmat you know and the, the neck popping and the eye rolling that she does with uh vice president pence and that's somehow supposed to resonate with uh black constituents like oh man they on par with us that's something that we you know, we like that. That resonates with us. And it really is sad and disheartening because it kind of speaks to the ways in which we are so desperate and so broken for any kind of affirmation from um, a white uh, system. 
for lack of better terms. And we're looking for that white validation, no matter how it comes, no matter how condescendingly it presents itself, um, uh, no matter how insulting it may be to our collective interest and intelligence to think that that's what's going to get traction in our community because you can sing our song or you can appeal to our taste per our appetite, you know, uh, uh, culinary uh, uh, taste and palate. It's like, oh, you got hot sauce, so I, I know I'm 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 be good in with these black with these black folks. You know what I mean? We all know y'all love hot sauce, but they don't speak to anything that pertain to uh, policies, right? Meaningful policies that are going to deliver tangible outcomes for the betterment of our community, right? And I see a lot of us being emotionally manipulated, for lack of better terms, you know. And I just really hope that we would continue to be um, practitioners of a hermeneutic of suspicion, that we would continue to, to deconstruct, that we will continue to vet, and that we will continue to uh, really investigate these politicians who are alleging to have our best interests at heart. I don't think that they do, personally. I don't believe uh, that either one of the candidates... Um, have the capability or the capacity to do anything worthwhile for our community because that's just not what America was built upon. It's not in their economic interest to move as such. It ultimately rests on our ability, again, to unify and to galvanize our economic and internal resources so that we can compete and that we can provide for ourselves what's necessary, what's good, appropriate, what's pertinent and acceptable to the end that we remedy and that we resolve many of the problems that are pervasive in our communities. I'm signing off. Um, black men, I love you. Black women, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Uh, I come to you in love, peace and confrontation. Please keep your mind amid the madness and understand that we're going to be making mountain moves one grain at a time. Until next time, everybody be safe. Do something revolutionary. Make moves that'll make the future proud. Peace.